Hey, welcome back to the C3 Podcast. This is John McKinley, your host, and this week, Pastor Robin continuing our series, A Year to Thrive. This sermon's entitled, Holy Hunger. Here's a short clip of that. No matter how often we pray, how many Bible passages we study and memorize, how frequently we attend church events or, or serve those in need, there's always room to grow closer to God. We hope you enjoyed today's message, and if you'd like, go to c3pottstown.com and plan a visit to join us in person next Sunday. Let's start out talking about food today. Okay. Think about meals, whether now or maybe when you were a child. You know, when I was a kid, every Sunday after church, we had roast beef. Every Sunday except for one, I should say, because my wife, this is after we were married, asked my mom, why do you have roast beef every Sunday? And then the next week we had chicken. (laughs) And and, you know, it, it always came with mashed potatoes, maybe Brussels sprouts, one of my favorites. My dad didn't like green vegetables, so we always had corn on the table. And, and being in a British home, we always had uh, Yorkshire pudding. Yeah. I mean, we looked forward to that, at least I did, every Sunday. Now, in Cindy's home, meals were a little bit different, okay? They were based around pork, especially breakfast. You know, I didn't even know what sausage gravy was before I met my wife, and, and our boys, they used to love it when, when the, all the cousins would come and they stay at Mamma and Papa's house because the next morning, and they put their order in the night before, they wanted a farmer's breakfast. Now, let me tell you what a farmer's breakfast is. Well, maybe it'd be easier to tell me what it isn't because it's everything. Well, some of you probably have some favorite food stories that maybe from your past or even your present. I know cheesesteaks are are big in this area. But you know, it wasn't until I went to VFCC, which is now UFC, that I really knew what a cheesesteak was. I I, I wouldn't even share with you what we called cheesesteaks because you'd throw me out of the church, okay? We could go on and talk about some of our, our favorite places to eat, you know, maybe your local pizzeria or pasta from a fine Mex- uh, Italian restaurant, or maybe a beloved family member that they made things from scratch or maybe, you know, pies and, and all that kind of stuff, or croissants from the, from the corner bakery. Most of us can recall special flavors that make our mouths water. In fact, hunger is an odd physical sensation usually defined by an emptiness within, literally within our stomachs. But, but you only have to eat an entire bag of potato chips while binging, uh, watching Netflix, or scarf down a pint of chunky monkey ice cream uh, at the end of a terrible day to know that eating for emotional comfort, not physical nourishment, is also real. So from infancy, most people develop positive, 
pleasurable sensations around eating. Full bellies bring contentment. Empty stomachs cause stress. Hunger becomes a physical cue, often prompted by a variety of factors that our bodies need fuel. Our souls need fuel to survive as well. And in order to thrive, there's only one fuel source that nourishes, satisfies, empowers, and sustains us, and that's our relationship with the living God. I'm starting your notes now if you're following along with your notes. God wants us to understand his truth. You only have to skip a few meals to understand hunger. Spiritual hunger, on the other hand, can be a little bit trickier. But the parallel to physical hunger gives us a good comparison to aid us in that understanding. The Bible is actually filled with comparisons that provide us with greater insight. I mean, God's word has a way that makes abstract concept accessible to us. And we, we can't fully know the things of God because we're the created and he's the creator. In fact, here's what Isaiah tells us. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than uh, the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, what that scripture is telling us is we don't know as much as we think we do. We are not on equal footing with God. Although we've seen, as we've seen, our pride and the temptations of the enemy lead us to have this false conclusion that we know as much as God. Despite our inability to, to fully grasp God's thoughts and his ways, and st he still wants us to understand the truth. Therefore, the Throughout the Bible, we see the use of comparisons and contrasts, metaphors, to help us comprehend the divinely inspired meaning of intangible things. For example, throughout the scriptures, Jesus is described as the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, the Vine, the Good Shepherd, the Bread of Life. And, and these metaphoric descriptions help us to understand that he is fierce like a lion, sacrificial as a lamb, life-giving as the vine, vigilant and protective as a shepherd, and essentially nourishing as bread. So let's talk about that last metaphor for a minute, the bread of life. The bread of life directly relates to spiritual hunger. It's the quality that we must cultivate in order to grow closer to God and to thrive. This is the year to thrive. Are you thriving in your life? You can't unless you've got this relationship with God. You can survive, but we're talking about going beyond that. So when we, when we think about this metaphor, it can be traced back to um, Exodus. When, when the children of Israel were out in the wilderness, this was a symbolic instance of hunger that occurred. This, this happened after the Israelites were delivered from slavery in Egypt. 
They're in the desert. The whole community is grumbling against Aaron and Moses because they're hungry. Listen to what the scripture says. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us to this, into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. This is bread from heaven. It's called manna. The Hebrew word for manna literally means, what is this? They'd never seen it before. What God, what is most striking here is God's gracious provision in the midst of their grumbling and complaining and coming against God. He met their need. I mean, God had just rescued them from bondage. Now, people are prone to short memories when it comes to God, aren't they? When it comes to God's goodness and generosity, and the Israelites were no exception. The Lord also used his provision to test his people's trust. How much do you trust God? That's a question you need to think about for a moment. Here, here's, here's how he tested them. Okay? They needed to rely on him to collect what they needed for that day. Not for the next day, unless it was the day before the Sabbath. So if they collected too much or not enough, they endured the consequences. As it turned out, God provided food and water for the Jewish people for decades as they walked and, wildered, uh, and wandered in the wilderness before allowing them to enter into the promised land that he was giving them. Yet over all those years, the Israelites still didn't get it. They suffered from, let's call it S-A-D-D. Because that's what we give everything the name on. It's just initials, right? Spiritual attention deficit disorder. Despite all that the Lord had, all that the Lord had done for them, they struggled to obey Him and trust Him and keep His commandments. They struggled to grasp how their relationship with God nourished the hunger that was in their hearts, just as the manna he provided nourished their bodies. Are you getting this, friends? Are you getting this? Because emotionally, we'll be wiped out. And it, it all comes oftentimes from a lack of relationship with God. Eventually, they had to have all this explained to them. In Deuteronomy, we read, Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God made us to be more than physical bodies. He gave us spirits that require connection to our life source, the creator, our father. Without relying on God, 
We may survive for a while, but we will never thrive. Keep that in mind. Let's move on. Our bodies require nourishment. We talked about that. Our bodies require energy on a regular basis, on a regular ongoing basis. Just because you were hungry yesterday and ate a great meal that satisfies your appetite doesn't mean that you'll never hunger again. I mean, our bodies digest the food that we eat, transforms it into fuel for our body, eliminates what it doesn't need, and begins the cycle all over again. The marvel of our biological and physiological design reflects the intricate brilliance of our creator. This repetitive cycle of hunger was certainly intentional. When God provided manna for his people on their journey, he, he, he says, take enough for that day. And, and in the New Testament, do you remember what Jesus taught his followers when they said, teach us how to pray? He says, pray this, give us this day our daily bread. Yeah. Now, most of us don't go out and hunt and gather for our food each day but we still need to trust God for our daily bread. Now let's consider our, our spiritual hunger. We, we also need to recognize that our spiritual, our souls require nourishment on a regular basis as well. No matter how often we pray, how many Bible passages we study and memorize, how frequently we attend church events or, or serve those in need, there's always room to grow closer to God. Hey, how many enjoyed that worship we had this morning? Wasn't that great? Yeah, that was really good. But you can't live on that tomorrow. Put a song in your heart, friends, and let that song of praise go with you wherever you go. If somebody else hears it, so be it. We could spend all day praising and worshiping God and it wouldn't be enough to fill our needs for God's presence in our lives. It's got to be a continual thing. And that doesn't mean we stop worshiping him. No, we continue to worship him. As eternal beings, our temporal mortal bodies are designed to worship. Created in God's image, we long to be connected to the one who made us and knows us best. As just as children long to be connected to their parents. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We want to belong and be a part of something meaningful and significant for a cause that goes beyond ourselves. And people in the world are searching all over the place, many of them in the wrong place. We need to keep our eyes on God. We, will, we want to fulfill the purpose which God created us, giving ourselves in service so that others may experience his grace and mercy, his peace and joy, and an abundant blessing. Seeking this kind of nourishment for our souls doesn't mean that our lives will be easy or free from suffering. No. You know, I've heard people say, well... <clears throat> God must turn his back on him because I'm not happy. Happiness doesn't have anything to do with it. It's a byproduct. 
Joy is what fills our hearts. We can be going through a bad time and joy can be in our hearts. We've got to become more more aware of our desire to serve and obey God. And more, uh, the more we suffer the consequences of living in a fallen world of sinful people, they're going to come against us, friends. And that's why we've got to keep our eyes on him and a song of praise in our hearts. Listen to what Jesus included in the Beatitudes. This is a promise you can live by. This is a promise you can take with you wherever you go. Print this one out and put it on your refrigerator. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Put it wherever you look. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. Are you ready to be filled, friends? Yeah. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. You know, sometimes instead of trusting the Lord, it's, it's often tempting to take matters into our own hands, isn't it? And what happens when we take matters into our own hands? We end up feeling empty. Instead of following Jesus and drawing close to God for soul food, we, 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 temp, we, we yield to temptation and we seek instant gratification. You know, we like to drive through windows and we get a little frustrated if we have to wait at one of them. It could be that many of our emotional struggles and results are attempts to find spiritual nourishment from a worldly diet. The prophet Isaiah expressed our spiritual longing and our frustration when our own attempts satisfy to fail. To satisfy fail. Here's what he says. He says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come and buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Here's what the prophet was pointing out. Nothing we can purchase satisfies us the way God fills our hearts and nourishes our souls. This is the kind of meal that delights our souls in God's abundance because his goodness truly, truly, truly satisfies. So here's the bottom line. Stand with me if you will. Here's the bottom line. When we rely on our own power, our own resources, we are going to strive only to survive. When we rely on God's power, we survive so we can thrive. Are you ready to thrive in God? Hallelujah. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially to spread the gospel further, please go to c3outlet.com give. Have a great week. We hope to see you next week.